Hello everyone and welcome to Star Trek Jojurations. I am one half of the presenting team and I am one half of myself because part of me is all strung up in a boot. I am Sean Farrick. Joining me as always is the wonderful Jack Tracy. How are you this week, Jack? He's more machine than man now. Well, with, I with just the, thought it the fit the episode. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would. I think it really fits the episode because I can't believe you chose this one because in the words of Raja and uh, Raven, this episode's a boot. I am going to <laughs> rank and say, uh, well, not Paul rank because we're incredibly even in this, but I'm going to be like, no. I am so tired of all of the negativity that's surrounding us at all times. I will not be hearing any bad words against this episode. Right. Because I'm sure as you rewatched it and enjoyed uh, it and mm. read the behind the scenes and listened to the music, you went, do you know what? This is actually a pretty good episode. That is what happened, Jack, isn't it? Um, I'll, I'll give you this. So we haven't, I don't think we've said out loud what we did. So we did Enterprise's Regeneration. We mm -hmm. had we had our first, because of the 10th episode, we do a gusheration where we talk about a great episode. And for our very first Number one gusheration, Sean chose an episode of Enterprise 1, mm -hmm. um, and I I heavily hinted to him up about the possibility of doing Far Beyond the Stars, but he went on this tirade about Star Trek being too woke and he wanted white stories. I don't know. It was strange, but he was really insistent about that. So that's why we got the board. Um, well, first of all, <laughs> yes. second of all, if people don't uh, know, this is a comedy show that was very much sarcastic. Yes, yes, it's just, 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 you know, with with things being as they are. That don't cancel, Sean. Sorry, that was not true. Now, okay, so Sean. why did I pick regeneration? Regeneration, yeah. to me, mm. it's not the first great episode of Enterprise. That, in my opinion, is uh, Carbon Creek. But I thought I wanted to pick something from Enterprise because. You know, down the road, we will cover the Yesterday's Enterprises. We will cover, you know, the, the Scorpions, the Far Beyonds, all those, because they are undoubtedly incredible pieces yeah. of literature as well as media, whatever. But some, I think while it's getting its due now, a lot of fans are still sleeping on Enterprise. It's doing it's 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 getting a lot more love now than it did on first release. Uh, and I, I hold my hands up. I was one of the, the naysayers on first release. Um, just because I was a bloody idiot. But um, uh, so I've gone back myself and done mm. a rewatch over the last couple of years. And when it hits regeneration, to me, this is a show that is incredibly confident in itself. Um, it It's much more careful. I remember the first time I watched it, um, this was back when I was being an naysayer, and I had the exact same reaction as some of the people who worked on the episode. The Borg... No! It destroys canon! Ah, and then I went, well, first of all, Sean, watch the episode, which I then did, and read the behind the scenes. It's actually really handled well. Um, it's not a completely original idea. I'd say there was, there was a big borrowing going on from TNG's conspiracy in this episode. Um, but I thought it managed to do something to fix, I'm going to say this with love, to fix the damage Star Trek Voyager did to the Borg. This made the Borg scary again. You just said a lot of things. Um, I did. I, I, did. I, 
Uh, so the the you don't see it because your my zoom is off for you. But there were a lot of faces being made by me. <laughs> I I okay. So I will give you this before we recap the episode. I will give you this. It was a solid action adventure where I did not feel the need to check my watch or go on social media. Like I was engaged the entire time. Um, okay. The cast felt gelled together, and they actually felt like, like a, like a well-oiled machine. So when you say that, like Enterprise sort of like was within its own as a show, that I agree with. Um, it was nice to see everyone. It felt, it didn't feel as clunky as a lot of the Enterprise that I've seen because, like you, I stopped like in the beginning of the first season and was like, no, thank you, and then just went back and watched a couple. When you say it borrowed, um. Let's talk about what it borrowed. It borrowed three full lines from First Contact, which I think were a nudge, nudge, haha, don't you remember when they said that? Which I hate. And they um, they also borrowed the fact that they already did this with the Ferengi, if I remember. And I'm 90, yeah, and basically would do this again with the Romulans. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, that I, I I agree with you in that, like, that's how they they brought these later alien races in, and I think uh, just to address that really, really quickly, um, I nostalgia has helped. I will say that to go back and watch uh, Acquisition, Regeneration, and the the Romulan trilogy, um, I I do kind of have to look at them and be like. Now, come on, like, you had your first... But actually, having said that, The Last Outpost, I'm very happy with that not being the first Ferengi episode anymore. But anyway, that's, that's a whole true. different thing. That, that one might turn up on a zhuzhuration, put it that I way. I think so. Um, but uh, the Borg, I... This benefits, for me, this benefits with the fact that we as an audience know how completely overpowered or out or outgunned the NXO one is. They don't stand a chance. Like, it, if the Borg get yeah. their full strength, they're doomed. And I think knowing that as an audience helps with the the scariness of the episode. Uh, and it recaptures a little bit of what we felt during q Who. You know what? I was just going to say that, especially with the cutting beam that they took from that. Mm. Um, I Yes, I agree that when you say repairs what was done by Voyager, I made a real face. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, I know what he's saying. Where, yes, I agree with you, this, the Borg were frightening, and it was, it, it was more of a Borg of Q-Who and Best of Both Worlds yes. than it was a Borg of Voyager. So I agree there. Where I cringe is, is just the whole concept of like, shit, this, uh, this, uh, this series isn't taken off. Uh, do we have any of those Borg costumes left in the back? Can we throw someone in a board costume? What's Worf doing? Can he join the cast? Like, <laughs> it's just, it really just I mean, screams yeah. of that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to massively say you're wrong or anything. There, can, definitely not. Can um, we put a third tit on this Borg? <laughs> what, what was it? Oh, I can't remember what the. Uh, what Tasha's original name was going to be? Something Hernandez. Hernandez. Erica Hernandez, yeah. wasn't it? Erica Hernandez. Wasn't she supposed to be, or was that Troy was supposed to have three breasts? Troy was supposed to have three breasts. I think Jerry Taylor was like, stop. She's <laughs> like, like, this This is why we don't give Gene full creative control anymore. 
Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to anyway. disagree with anything you just said there. So, um, so why don't you quickly recap the episode for someone who has spared themselves from Enterprise for the last 20 years? Okay, so I'm assuming you have seen Star Trek First Contact as I begin this recap, all right? The so second highest grossing thought, Star Trek... Watch. The second highest grossing Star Trek film, as I just learned in a recent Sean YouTube video. Oh, I, actually, I'd have to check that because I'm pretty sure. Because anyway, first I realized was, it was a video was, that I made, but yeah, I think right. I need to double check that because I think the JJ will. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But well, I mean, sorry, it does matter. But uh, that's that's my own cross to bear. Anyway, mm. Star Trek First Contact, 1996. The Enterprise-E and the Borg, they go back in time. Uh, Zephyr and Cochrane is in it. Everyone has a good time, uh, except most of the crew. So that sets up the fact that the Borg were back in the early or the mid-21st century, all thought presumably destroyed. Uh, Handy way of bringing them into this is writers Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong wrote that the ship that explodes in orbit the, well, the debris has to go somewhere, so the debris lands in the Arctic. So the, sh- the episode opens with uh, this Arctic expedition discovering the wreckage of what we will discover is the Borg sphere. Uh, there are, there is one active, dr- well, frozen, but active drone. Uh, we have, we know from preceding events that, you know, kind of cold storage or whatever, the Borg can survive. So straight away, you're like, uh-oh. So... We go into it. Basically, it's it it, it 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 has these three Arctic expeditionaries who are going to get lines, and I'm not saying I'm going to say they're the best characters ever written, but they actually have a little bit of personality to them. One of which is played by uh, the actor's name has just popped out of my head as I've said that, um, John Billingsley's wife, and I hate that I've just described her like that. Bonita Frederici. Uh, so, yes, my apologies to her for uh, that. Um, she's the little one. They are, I mean, as as we all knew was going to happen, they activate the Borg. Uh, there is a very, there's a good, clever play on vampirism, uh, mm-hmm. which the Borg always were vampires, but they do it here because the Borg activates. The next thing you see is you see one of them with tendrils starting to kind of come out from the neck, and then quite quickly after that, we lose contact with the Arctic Expedition. And then interestingly for Enterprise, we don't cut then to Enterprise, we cut to Starfleet headquarters uh, with Admiral Forrest. Um, And, you know, they go to the Arctic and they see the thing is in bits and they're like, "Uh uh-oh. Then we go, we're uh, we're into Act 2 nearly at this stage, possibly Act 3, before we actually get to Enterprise. Um, there's no preamble. There is no. There is no B plot in this episode. It's one of the reasons I think it works so well. It's now find this. They don't know what they're called yet, but find the Arctic expedition, which they do. They find it cutting into a Tarkalian freighter. Uh, it has already begun. They've begun to assimilate this the the Arctic ship, and straight they, then you know we have two Tarkalians who have been infected with nanoprobes there is a, a clever little nod to TNG when Flox is saying they seem to be some sort of cybernetic enhanced race I once heard about I don't know, the binars and I thought ooh nice um, yeah that was cool and, I like that yeah, yeah so the the Tarkalians who have been assimilated we just don't know what it is yet they begin their process of beginning to assimilate Enterprise uh, we get one thing that kind of addresses how the Borg 
managed to create so much of their own technology so quickly, first time I think we'd actually seen it like this, is they inject a power con conduit which then transforms okay, it was 2003 CGI, we do, we do the best we can, it transforms some of Enterprise's own tech into Borg tech. Well, um, see, and I, I see that I hated because it it was too fast. It was like... It was too fast. I, I will agree boop, with you there. Yep, I will boop, agree with you on that one. It's, it's like, Borg now! Oh. Yay! Mm. Um, and those two get blown out into space. Uh, so we're chasing this Arctic expedition. And, you know, it's it's pretty much... They're kind of screwed. I mean, they're trying to turn around. They start fighting Enterprise. They they've This was a... Basically, imagine... Uh, a TNG era shuttle, like that's mm. what they're. That's what they think they're chasing. This thing is starting to be assimilated, and it's not actually stated on screen. But you start to see bits are being stuck on because the the it was going to show how it would e expand to become a cube. Basically, that was what it was going to be like, like like kind of a like a center that was going to grow out, uh, mm. which is why it looks a different shape toward the end. And the only way they could defeat them is they go in, basically set off grenades to, you know, take out some of the power systems. Um, but there's no question of the fact that, you know, they adapt really, really quickly. There's discussions about weapons. And it's all, you know, Enterprise is screwed. The only way they manage to get around it is quite low tech. And I think, again, that's clever. It's not as fun, if you like, as the as the holodeck scene in First Contact, that version of low tech. But um, the fact that these weapons are, you mean, know, these are phasers, you know, designed by laser pistols as opposed to you know, the later compression rifles, which, of course, they have already adapted to. So, sorry, medium, they do destroy the Borg uh, through, you know, good old grenades and getting the frick out of there. And then we get the, the, the... I alluded to the fact that this borrows from Conspiracy. We get basically the ending of Conspiracy, which is they sent a signal, it's mm. the coordinates of Earth, and there is a... I, I, I will understand completely if this is a Marmite thing, they say it'll take about 200 years to reach the Delta Quadrant, which, of course, sets up the events of Q Who. Basically, it creates a predestination paradox. I don't mind that. I do understand if people don't like it. Put it that way. The reason um, I don't like it is the reason I don't like a lot of things with this episode. The episode itself is a fun action-adventure romp. You're right. It made the board scary. Um, mm. It was. It did the board correctly. My problem are the canon issues and how it makes everyone on the enterprise d dumber than people on enterprise so one flocks figured out how to de-assimilate very quickly and uh that is a problem fuck, Be a problem fuck beverly crusher <laughs> yeah no that's i i will say i completely agree if there's one i mean i realize this is our gusherations episode right. i love this episode i do not love the fact that flocks cured assimilation um, other issues are, so I'm just going to ask a series of questions. Go for one, it. one, why can't tech from the Borg tech from the 24th century, ha how come that in, in everything they have done up until the point of first contact and all the species that they have assimilated and all of the Federation they have, they've never encountered a Denobulan? I don't have an answer for it. Yep. Okay. Don't have an answer for you um, So, Because Phlox is... Unlike everyone else who gets assimilated and immediately starts turning, Phlox has a ticking clock where he has time uh, mm, and is up and about. Because yeah, gamma he, radiation, I think, he, he floods himself with, which will basically kill a human. 
Uh, not that that excuses it. No, but, I think it was um, it was an O Omega Omicron. It was an O. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I imagine it was Omega. Flox is actually the ultimate creator. Like oh you know, God. he's God. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, can't say it. Um, I didn't. I think the the Tarkalians who were yes. eventually Borg in the beginning when they were turning Borg and walking through the ship, they weren't acting like Borg. They were acting. They were like like menacing thugs they were they were a little too um they weren't zombie enough for me but they eventually got there you know when you did the whole shooting at the console which was just doing q who and doing you know down in engineering is basically what they were doing um Uh, too many first contact lines uh something at every and stupid ones like I'm, sh- I'm sure you're right now. It's funny. There's none jumping to jump into my mind. W- w- which ones do you mean? I'm sure you're. Right. I might as well have been shooting a holographic bullet. Holographic uh, bullets can right. kill. Okay, one, two. Don't let them touch you. Three. Um, um, I want. Po- I literally, I want guards posted at every access point, which is just a line Picard said. Like, why take those lines? Like verbatim. Um. Do you know what? I I don't mind the guard ones. I'll absolutely give the holographic bullets one. I mean, that is... Yeah, all right. Uh, don't let them touch you. It, 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 yeah, because line. It, was, t- it was so well pre- delivered by Patrick Stewart as well. Right. Uh, as most things are. Um, but... Well, so, so, yeah, so kind of one, two, three. Holographic bullets, yep, with you 100% on that one. I, I don't mind. You're going to hear this a lot. I don't mind. Um... Mm. Don't let them touch you. I I can hear Picard saying that. Do you know? So like that's yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and that and that Post- was the thing is like don't refer to something better. Like and that was the same thing. That's my problem with these are the voyages. Now this is way way better. You know, of course, I'm not saying this is anywhere near these are the voyages. But but same with these are the voyages. Don't reference something worse. It's the same problem with Into Darkness. Don't reference something that's much better than what you're doing. Um, because the comparison yeah. is just like oh. It just made me want to go watch First Contact. <laughs> I mean, good, but yeah, but you can't be comparing this to Into Darkness. Come on now. This no, is I'm just saying, I'm Darkness. saying, yes, no, I'm just saying as a, for sure, agreed. I'm just saying as a parallel of, of a property sure. that wants to throw all the member berry, member, member this, at something that's far superior than the thing that's making the references. Oh, I hear, no, I do, I hear you, right. I hear you. Um, um, so now, so why, so, so. Why? So you're telling me the Enterprise E crew did everything they could to not contaminate the timeline, but they just left a whole bunch of debris? Didn't think about that at all? Didn't think about that at all. They just left the whole, oh, yeah, you know, it's in the ice. It's fine. Fuck the timeline. So I have a partial, Hmm. partial headcanon explanation for that one. As they came through and they found the, the sphere firing at the surface, mm-hmm. they're, they, you know, they, they talk about how sensors are offline, shields are offline, and they fire it. And for all intents and purposes, I mean, they watched it fairly explode to right. kind of incinerate, to then, you know, head into the atmosphere and burn even more. I, myself, am fine with them thinking, we did the job. Um, yes, but it does make them, 
Like, it gives them a boo-boo, you know? They made a, a whoopsie doodle. And I don't know if I like the end, basically the end of first contact being they were a bit sloppy. I don't know if I like that. Like, the insinuate... A lot of what I don't like about this episode is insinuating... That it, as much as this did a better job with the Borg than Voyager... Um, after Scorpion, because I thought Scorpion was a good Borg. Scorpion um, is very good, yeah. yeah. Um, um, with its overuse and defanging, the the Voyager Voyager's insult was this tiny little science ship could defeat the Borg regularly when the Galaxy class, you know, flagship was nearly destroyed every time. So it just made, it constantly made the the Enterprise D, E, and its entire crew seem like second chair. And that's nonsense. And I feel like this does that a little bit too. A little bit. With with not with how they how they how they take care of the Borg, it does feel very dangerous. Very over, like we are going to be overpowered in a minute. They're just you know the second that they reach full potential, we're fucked. That's all great, but as in the implications for how the Enterprise E crew wrapped up the past and first contact, it's kind of similar to me. Um, Starfleet now has pictures and analysis of the Borg nanoprobes, all of that. So. You're telling me that when Q-Who happens and they meet these people, the entirety of Starfleet starts building ships like the Defiant, getting Shelby in to run Borg operations, and starts preparing for an eventual threat that they met that they think is going to come in a very, very, very long time, but surprise, it comes much sooner than they expected um, because they don't know about the transwarp conduits. Um, um, But... Starfleet in Enterprise says, oh, that was weird. Well, I guess we'll just uh, pack this away. I, I see. I don't have a problem with that because I think it speaks to the complacency of, you know, ads. Listen, it's not for it's not for another couple of hundred years. I actually think that's very believable. If you look at humanity as it stands, uh, I think it's very believable. They're like, ah, that's basically a future generations issue. And then then like saying in 21 i think this is the 2150s that you know it's 200 years away other thing you know the romulan war becomes much more important you know then the klingon war of discovery becomes much more it pushes the risk level down to a footnote in history but and but then it it then becomes sorry sorry, i'll just finish this because yeah yeah, and and then and then i see how you feel right so then so by the time we get to the 2360s you know now is it the first thought of, uh, you know, a, a crew that, you know, might not necessarily have specialised in Starfleet history of the 22nd century? You know, because um, there isn't an exact, say, date or clock. Like as in, on February 3rd, 2369, the Borg will appear, or they're not named, or this cybernetic race will appear in System J. That would be different if they were like, right, we have an absolute deadline. Right. And then you could do something like an Omega. Like, well, Picard, knew, well, obviously he didn't, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, say the captains, no. Otherwise, it's just this scary thing that happened in history. And, uh, you know, no, it's not a Nostradamus situation because we know in this context, time travel does exist. Whereas Nostradamus was 
potentially right. off his meds. Um, you know, but like, you know, a few hundred years ago, listen, this is for sure, this is going to happen. Yeah. How many people today are walking around going like, oh yeah, cool story, bro. But we know some people in Star Trek were, and although I'm with you, I don't love the fact that the Hansons were able to basically walk around a Borg cube, no problem. But the idea that there was knowledge of the Borg before the official first contact, I actually do like. And I think, I think, I'm, I don't know because I was doing the background reading for this and it doesn't address it. But I think that this episode sort of sort of sets up Dark Frontier as much as it sets up Q-Who as well. But by setting up Q-Who, it means it deflates, it, it makes Q-Who less important because it's not the first contact with the Borg. Also, you know, I mean, even Archer. Archer found a college commencement speech from Zephyr Cochran in the databanks, and you're telling me the Enterprise-D didn't have a record of this incident? Search, have oh, we sure. ever encountered a cybernetic life form? Oh, look, there are pictures. Oh, look, these are exactly... Like, it, it, it does what Picard, the new series, did to the Borg, which is, which open question, which I think they'll never answer, which is with the whole Allison Pill thing, does that mean nothing with the Borg up until now actually happened? Oh, no, um, you know, like, it did answer, it did answer it, that the, it, it did happen there, just a, a little mini collective, because she's not the collective, in the same way that this is not the collective, this is a, but, but, um, that episode of Voyager Survival Instinct, where Seven sets up her own little collective, it's, it's like that. Okay. Um, and, but uh, I, no, I, I, it sounds like I'm trying to argue with you. I'm not. But in Q Who, they didn't need to do the history books. They had Guinan. Guinan was like, hiya, they're the Borg. Okay, but but I, I can't. I can't accept that, Sean. You're telling me that the captain of the Federation starship just went, oh, Guinan gets it. Like, and I'm not going to look. As they're tearing my ship apart, I didn't have a single person on this ship research whether uh, we have any information on cybernetic creatures. You know, like. She didn't I, have time. They were getting carved I, up. I, 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 it just, it, it, the same thing, even though Last Outpost is a terrible episode, it's the same thing that they did with the Ferengi, which is you make, you take something that was an important thing about what, like a milestone in the, in Starfleet history and say, actually, we're going to take that instead. Like, I know that was like real cute for you guys, but like, it's ours now. I just don't like that. Have your own fucking things. The last um, outpost is awful. Right, but you... And also completely out of canon. Right. I mean, their whole thing of like, oh, you've chased us, therefore we offer our second officer's life to you as as per the Ferengi code. Right. Uh, and yes. laser whips. I need more laser whips. Um, I do like laser whips, I, I must say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so two more questions for you. Um, before I, I want to play a little game, since we, we're not judging the episode, I have an idea mm. of something we can do here. Um, why is there a warp ship on Earth at the Arctic? Why do they need a warp ship? They didn't. The Borg, uh, they upgraded it. They, but they upgraded uh, it. No, 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 it, no, no, no. Reed no. says it himself. Reed says that ship only has the capability of warp one point whatever. Why is there a warp ship? And then, because they're surprised it's up to three. Why is there a warp ship at the Arctic at all? I, I will counter that with why not. Why did the Admiral go to investigate himself? That one is obviously just Von Armstrong was contracted that week. <laughs> yeah, because you're right, why? And they couldn't um, put any ball bearings in the rifles to make them not look like a, like a child's plastic water gun? 
They were so light. It's one of my things, you know, take it out of sci-fi, take it out of Star Trek. So for those of you who are viewing the video, which are only our Patreon subscribers, because at this point, the little curtain came down. Um, I'm holding a coffee cup. And you can tell by holding this coffee cup that there is something in it because of the way my hand is holding the weight and supporting the weight of the cup. If this cup were empty, I don't have one around me. I would like, my hand would instinctively just look light and be like tossing it around, which is all of those phaser rifles in Enterprise. They all look like they're completely hollow. Like Same with the phase pistols. They, oh, uh, those Enterprise too. Enterprise was dreadful for that. And it's funny because even though they were tiny little nothings, like the little cricket phasers and then the type twos, they didn't look like they were, they weighed, you know, an ounce. Mm. You know, they looked... Like, or a gram, sorry, I'm using different. Uh, um, um, they didn't look like they weighed nothing, even though they were like little handheld remote controls. But these, yeah, I just, okay. So I will, I will concede to you, it is a solid action adventure that I was not bored the entire time. I will concede to you that it did the Borg, in my view, correctly. They were scary. They... We got the queen out of it because I think as much as I love the Borg queen, as much as I love Alice Krieg, I think that was a big problem introducing her for future Borg stuff um, and was a, a reason why some of the Borg stuff got silly. Um, um, I did like breaking convention by starting with like a guest star cast for a while before we got to the Enterprise. That was interesting and I liked that. Mm. Um I don't like the heavy-handed fan service with actually stealing actual lines for first contact. And I don't like any way in which this makes Borg events in the next generation specifically less important. Or how it reflects on the Enterprise E crew's handling of the cleanup of first contact. Those are probably my... So I we would never judge this because it's not it's not bad by any means it's nowhere on the scale of anything we've been doing but if i were to tweakeration it i would find a way to just clean up those little cannon or those little things that and take out those stupid lines um about about uh, you know, where they literally just borrow first contact dialogue that was my biggest problem probably what did you think of the music? Oh, I did. So I liked the music not only because I caught like the obvious, you know, like the Borg theme from First Contact. There was another. There. No, it was um, maybe not the Borg one, but there was I heard one. It was the. It's something from the First Contact music. There's a there's a cadence that I heard and I was like, oh, oh might be, uh, I remember this. Uh, that will be that will be coincidental though. What did you what what's in it for you? What's it, oh I heard the something from Best of Both Worlds or Q the 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 rat the da 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 like that. So Brian Tyler, uh, who is quite a successful composer, he's done a couple of the Marvel films mm. as well as many other things. Uh, he this is his second for season two. The other one he did was Canamar. and this to me is probably the single greatest score of any episode of Enterprise. Um, because it amazingly captures the tension 
that you feel for this entire episode. And I think it does not a lot of the heavy lifting, but certainly a lot of the support work um, for creating or capturing the mood of the episode. Uh, they released um, five tracks of the score on the, the, the music collection of Enterprise. And I constantly come back to it because it's scary on its own, mm-hmm. the music is. He manages to create that and then add it to everything else. Because this is one of the least Enterprise episodes of Enterprise in the first two seasons. Yeah. Um, in a way, everything, the setting is almost incidental. Yeah. Uh, you get a few Tucker moments, which are quite Tucker. Um, yeah. And But I mean, other, other than that, it could be any Starfleet ship, which I concede could also be an issue if you're trying to make a good episode of Enterprise. Um, but uh, which, although it doesn't explain away why Forrest went to the Arctic, it, you know, it's kind of like, could be back in anyone at this point. It doesn't excuse that, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like, these could be any characters. But, sorry, I digress. Um, but the the music for me, it... It it makes this is a mini film, yes, um, and and the score reflects that. It's because a lot of the times, um, I mean, there's so much wonderful score in all of Star Trek, and let's be honest, there's faff and there's filler as well. There's not one note of this score that to me feels faff and filler, right? You know, I'll give that to. Oh, I think I remember the cadence that I heard. It's that. Remember from oh, First yeah, Contact? No, that's not in there. Sorry, not, not, think... not, not to like completely shit all over you, but that's not in there. I thought I heard the bum, 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 at the end of the Arctic sequence. I don't know. Maybe I was maybe I was looking for it because you said the music. Potentially, yep. Yeah. And because I did, because I did put it in your head. I was like, listen out for the music. So, but... Uh, yeah, just because, and I tell you why, it's not that I'm like, it's just that, no, no, Jesus, I, I if, I could, if I could give you a dollar for the amount of times I've listened to this score back and forth again, nice. I can probably sit here and hum the entire episode to you. I just love it that much. Well, we will give you this break to go look up the score yourself, and we'll be right back where I'm uh, for me to surprise Sean with a little game. Hi, gay. Do you like Star Trek? Do you like gay? Well, then you might want to join the Star Trek Jujurations fan community over at patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H. Why would you want to do that? Well, one, you think that Sean and or I are pretty, and you would like to lift us out of abject poverty. Or because you really like this podcast and you want to help support it and keep it afloat by allowing us to afford the administrative expenses of doing it. Or... You just want some exclusive content. So what's exclusive content on the Star Trek Jujurations Patreon? That is your ability to get the episode before anyone else. You can also see the video recording of us doing the episode where we wear our Starfleet uniforms, me, my single Next Generation Command uniform, and Sean rotating through his collection of probably about 359 different uniforms, which is currently the number of uniforms on screen between Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and Star Trek Picard, because apparently uniforms are custom to your design now. 
You can also have direct interaction with us with Ask Me Anythings that we'll hold, a weekly live event where we will be watching the episode that we are going to review, and even your ability to participate by helping us choose the next episodes on the podcast. So if you like gay, and you like Star Trek, and you like supporting independent creators and writers who are trying to do their thing, head on over to patreon.com slash startrekzhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H, and find a membership tier that works for you. In fact, I'm going to throw in a sweetener. If you sign up for our biggest tier, the most exclusive tier, which is our commander tier, for three months, I will give you a fourth month for free if and only if you direct message me on Patreon and tell me what this is. Do, 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 do. See you on the Patreon. All right, Sean. So I didn't want to make this like a super short episode. So I thought, what better thing to do in our 10th episode after the gusheration? What better thing to do than to look back at the nine we've done thus far and in a March Madness heat situation, decide which one is truly the most zhuzhable? So I'm going to put them against each other based on series. Okay. And we're going to have a brief discussion. We'll keep it short. And which one we think is the worst. And we'll move them up into in its battle royale until we have a final decision. So I would also like, before we start this, the amount of quotes that have come out of this podcast. (laughs) I was just editing... Our seventh episode yesterday, and I forget exactly. Oh, um, let's all go to Risa. Let's all go to Risa. Let's go to Risa and give these girls the clap. I think is something we sang. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. Um. Of course, Harry Kim dreams of soup. Um, I love that one. I'd love to punch that farkle in the face. Um. Um, Alan Moraine, a great British Bake Off. Now you have to make an Alan Moraine, and now you have to make three more. That's that's probably still my favorite. There's a lot. These sticks, these sticks are silly, and I don't like them. These sticks are silly, and I don't like them. That's one of my favorite ones. All right, so let's let's put them against each other. I may do a clip show during our break of, of cool. all these little moments. Okay, so first we'll start with our first episode uh, where Beverly gets banged by a candle. I'm going to put it up against our other TNG. And let me make sure I only have one. I think we only did two from TNG. Order these. There we go. So, Ghost Candle Boning of Sub Rosa versus Wash My Fucking Feet Riker in Up the Long Ladder. Do you have an opinion? Oh, uh, the worst of the two, Up the Long Ladder, easily. Yeah, easily. Sub so, so Rosa is so silly and camp and fun yep. at this day that I actually, listen, I don't love it, but I love it. You know what I mean? Whereas Up the Long Ladder is just, what the hell was going on that week in Star Trek? Right. And honestly, uh, well, one, Up the Long Ladder also uh, uh, unwittingly triggered a, a right to life controversy. Yeah. Uh, that I don't think uh, anything similar happened with Subrosa. Uh, also, the treatment of the Irish is far worse than the treatment of the Scottish. But notice the parallels there. 
That is very true. Actually, yeah, that's very true. Although you could argue that there was a right to light argument after Sub Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> eh? Eh? Uh, no. Uh, uh, but. <laughs> But, but but remember, Subrosa does have our cardinal sin. What's our cardinal? What's our what's our bellwether uh, as to whether it's going to be a good Star Trek episode? How many, how many ghost candles? Nope, nope. No? Remember, no? Oh, my when, goodness. Oh my goodness. when the B plot is about the weather. When the B plot is about the weather, it's going oh. to be a terrible episode. Oh, you I will mean, have to weather that episode. <laughs> Hey, I see. I see what you did there. I see uh, you. The other joke that I forgot to do was that um, obviously uh, up the long ladder wins in your country because we all know that in the Irish version of rock paper scissors, ladder beats candle. So <laughs> <laughs> is that? I came up with that right now. I came up I with really that like right that. now. Ladder beats candle. Okay. Oh no, that's so like that it. could be a shirt. Ladder beats candle. Ladder beats candle. Oh, I love it. Yeah. All right. So now we move on. So we've got right. two original series. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Oh, yeah, because we have the one Enterprise. So we have two original series. Shore Leave, mm-hmm. where we've chasing a, a white rabbit in a public park. Or and the ch- against And the Children Shall Leave, where uh, an annoying ginger kid uh, pumps his fist until everyone does what he wants them to do. Yep. Um, I mean, I don't even have a hesitation as to which of these. Uh, Would I suspect that we're probably on the same page when we want to take those fist-bumping children and flush them out the airlock? Yeah, I I want an edit where it's the children shall lead on the bridge, but it's Archer from uh, Regeneration telling them to blow the hatch. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Not even much discussion there. Um, That was an unbearable watch. It was. It was. And even, well, obviously we covered this in the episode, but I remember sitting there going like, you know, I don't even, I don't even know what to do with this episode. That's how not great it is. Well, let's move on chronologically. Let's hop on over to Deep Space Nine. Is it shoots and ladders and move along home? Or our trip to Risa with that he who is without sin? It's got to be Risa for me. Because the sin, of course, is the waste of Vanessa Williams. Yes. And it's another bloody B-plot about the weather. Weather. Woo! So if you're putting weather against weather, Subrosa or Let He Use Without Sin, which has the worst weather subplot? Oh, Letty. Like, yeah. Worf becomes a domestic terrorist. Right. And we just don't talk about it again. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now let's do a, because we have an odd number, let's put these three against each other. Cool. No, it's not fair because then we won't have a Voyager one. Let's just do these two and then we'll, <laughs> we'll put the other one in the next round. So, um, oh, I know what we'll do. Okay, so for Voyager, we've got Favorite Son, where Harry Kim dreams about soup. Or mm-hmm. Threshold, where Paris turns into a lizard, which is the worst episode. Oh, you see, objectively, both it's transformations, threshold. both transformations of um, um, Delta underwhelming character, Delta Flyers and underwhelming characters. Yeah, objectively, Threshold is the worst episode, but Favorite Son is so boring compared to it. See, that's where I go. I'm at least entertained. Like, I didn't stop watching Threshold. It's like, you know, when you drive by uh, a car 
crash. Like you have to, like yep. you just want to look. Whereas, and again, I also think it started off really strong. There were things about I really liked. It wasn't until Lizard Time that things got like wild, where I thought Favorite Son was bad from the start and deeply boring. Yes, uh, I, I I totally agree with that. Threshold, I mean, and also there are ridiculous episodes that you forget and there are ridiculous episodes that you remember. We have two of them on this. It's We have Sobrosa and Threshold are right. both ridiculous, but you remember them. Right. Favorite you know? Son is probably the least memorable of all of these, for sure. Yeah, pro- yeah actually, yeah, because even the children leading, I mean... God, that was painful, but I remember it. Right. Uh, up the long... I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Whereas favorite son, I'm sorry, Harry, it's just Dola's Dishwater. All right, so let's move down the bracket. We're getting close. So, up the long ladder, our winner from TNG versus... I guess they're not winners. They're not. <laughs> I can't call these winners. <laughs> yeah, up, it's like, we don't, I don't want to win this round. <laughs> yeah. Up the long ladder versus And the Children Shall Lead. I should say up the long ladder because you know we Irish, but I mean the children is just dreadful. Fuck those kids, children. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, all right. You, you really have to be careful with those sound bites, man. <laughs> <laughs> that that won't go with the that won't go with the clip show. What will go with the clip show is you introducing and the children shall leave, which is the at the end of the the episode yes, uh, that I edited yesterday, the Let Hughes Without Sin, where you're like, so Jack. I take it you like children. I'm like, no, not at all. Not, oh, not for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, well, you ruined my segue completely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So children wins that. Okay. Now we've got Let He Use Without Sin versus Favorite Son. Uh, favorite. Again, uh, Let He Use. Oh, actually. See, I'm, I'm going to say Sin. He was without Sin. Because yeah. that's painful, whereas Favorite it Son is. is boring. Yes. I, I'm with you there 100%. Like, I don't yeah. think I could watch Let He Use Without Sin again. I would very much not like to. Favorite son I could have on while I'm, like, doing laundry. Or if I was trying to fall asleep. Right. Yeah. Okay. So here's how we're going to do it. So we have one that we haven't touched, but because it's so notorious, we're going to have it battle the, la- the the one remaining. So we now have, we have chosen, and the children shall lead, versus... Let he who is without sin. This time around, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for let he who is without sin, because ah. although children is, is dreadful, um, let he who is without sin it does things to Worf as a character, okay, uh, which just sh- like again domestic terrorism. Um, you have the whole Lita Bashir thing, which is funny for about two minutes. And then it just kind of drags. You have the entire unpleasantness of Quark in this episode. Um, uh-huh. And and again, the, the wasting of Vanessa Williams. It's not that it's... It's not that Children Leading is a better episode. It most certainly is not. But it's, I think it commits less sins to the main cast. I think you're... I, I was going to disagree with you until you started explaining and now you have convinced me. And also, I think... There was a good idea at the core of and let the uh, and the children shall lead. Mm. There was no idea. I mean, maybe in the initial conception, but not the core of the actual. You know, the initial conception of let he use without sin was that we were going to explore sexuality and its place within Starfleet, which they didn't 
do. Um, yep. So maybe that was interesting. What they did, the core of it was Dax is in an abusive relationship. Um, yeah, and the weather. So you're right. Yeah. I agree. So it's the final round where we take Let He Who Is Without Sin versus These Are the Voyages. Who is our mm. ultimate judge? Um. <clears throat> Well, I really liked my judging idea for these the voyages. I will say that. I thought I created a wonderful little movie there with a ridiculous budget. Uh, so part of me is like, you know, oh, it inspired that. So it's not as bad as Riza. Where, where, where are you coming? I, um... So I'm going with your, I'm taking your argument about what is the greater sin. And mm. these are the voyages, ru- well, I didn't ruin, but tarnished a solid seven-season episode of Next Gen, and sent yeah. the entire franchise off on this this series of Enterprise and the entirety of the Star Trek franchise on a horrible stinker. So to me, if you're saying that we chose Sin in the last round because of what it did to Worf, I'm ranking what it did to Worf versus what it did to Star Trek as a franchise. Yep. Yeah, I I tell you what that is. That is totally fair logic. Um, these are the voyages. There is just no redeeming it. No. Just and I really it. liked my judge of that too. I liked using the Titan and the Romulans and all that. Um, I okay. So we have a winner. We have the the number one jizzable, which is these are the voyages, which I don't think anybody will be surprised by. So let's. Yeah, not- I was kind of like when we were ranking them. I was kind of like you know, oh okay. It's just going to be these of the voyages. Yeah, but anyway, right. listen, yeah. <laughs> so, of the zhuzhs you remember, do you have a favorite zhuzh of mine? And I'll go through my favorite zhuzh of yours. Um, I did like going all the way back. I did like your zhuzh of Sub Rosa. Oh, thank you very much. Um, because because of a few reasons. One is you're very good, but also I. I, I, what I'd really like from if we call this block one or season one of Star Trek Jojurations, right? I do love how you managed to look at what potentially the budget would be at the time. Like, because remember the first week I was just like, you know, here is a complete Victorian novel. Um, I just right, kind of but you were saving on a bunch. Of, like that was that one was doable. Mm. You could have done that. That would that it would it was yeah that one was doable. Obviously, yeah. These are the voyages where I went a bit like, like and now Sean, uh, but. Uh, I, 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 like, so the, I, I really like that you managed to create a more concise story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's much saving the material of Sobrosa. Even my wonderful Victorian novel still won't write. Um, but uh, I, I, I do like that because it, it, it taught me about you as well, Jack. It taught me, you know, that you're some tight when it comes to budget. Come on now, would you not just amalgamate a few budgets together and make a big crazy episode about ghosts and candles and everything? Listen, I'm a producer. I'm always watching that budget. Um, <laughs> so my favorite of yours, I think, is Shore Leave. The using... You know, and you know what? When I was watching not this week's, but last week's Strange New Worlds, I was like, oh, Sean... Here's your shore leave exaggeration. You've got the chief medical officer as the lead character in a storybook where all of the other actors are playing the characters. 
absolutely, they ripped me off. I will be speaking to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, well, it just means they're all listening to this podcast. Well, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Hey! Um, but still suing them. Yeah, that was my favorite of yours because I think that would have gone down. And I know your other job does not like this episode, which I find um, um, a blasphemy. But for me, it puts it would put it in the realm of Cupid. Oh, yeah. No, um, I just want it to be known for the record that we are a collection of writers who mm-hmm. all have our own opinions. And mm-hmm. that is my response to that. Great. Well, um, thank you very much for joining us on our the the shakedown cruise and the the first five year mission of the USS Zhuzh. We it takes a lot to put this together, and we're working in different time zones. And we of course do stuff for our for our patreons. So are you supposed to say patreons or patrons, even though it's Patreon? Uh, do you know what? I actually I'm going to say either. Yeah, um, I don't. I know think what officially the... it probably should be patrons. I think so, but. Let's screw official. Right. So officially. (laughs) I've had it officially. Um, So we are, we're going to take a little bit of a break to regroup, to do some um, uh, promotion, to do some campaigning, to try to grow the audience. You can, of course, help us do that by subscribing to the Patreon. We will still be providing content for the patrons as we you know, take our little break. So there's going to be stuff up for them. We're going to have some watch parties. We're going to pick the episodes for season two. So um, if you want to keep hearing more Zhuzhurations, definitely make sure to join the the Patreon so you can stay with us until we release the new stuff. Um, and if you don't um, want to hear more Zhuzhurations, make sure you pay us to stop. Yes. Yeah, we'll take your money to stop too. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, also you could go to our merch store where we will leave up for the next maybe week or two, the limited edition t-shirts, uh, and mug. you can get it on anything, but I, I assume you'd want it on a t-shirt, which, uh, have the quoted, uh, uh, quotables from our, uh, our nine or 10, I guess if I make one out of this episodes, um, yeah, which will be a fun, just think about wearing a shirt like that to a Star Trek thing and someone being like, oh my God, I know what that is. Because uh, okay, they're, they're yeah. kind of, I mean, they may not know the podcast, but they'll definitely know what we're poking fun at. Um, Bloody right, yeah. A Dunna Light That Candle t-shirt, I think would go over great at a convention. So oh, yeah, it, it absolutely will. Yeah, and But okay. you, you, you must you be prepared for the amount of people that will start screaming that phrase at you. Right. Uh, I will be one of those people. Right. Uh, I, I, Jesus, Sean. I haven't I haven't designed it yet, but the up the long ladder is going to be a silhouette of um, what's her name? Brie? I don't know. Silhouette Britta, something like that. And her her uh, it's so you into foot stuff? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and again, I know, well I know we just talked about it, but I know exactly which episode that refers to straight away. Again, this is this 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 is the fun of these things, and also right. good lord. So Good check Lord. those out, um, and and if we see, I would love to see you at the Las Vegas convention this year wearing one of those shirts. I will I will come up and and absolutely gush uh, if yeah. if I see you wearing one of our shirts. That'll be amazing, and and I'll be there handing out stuff as well. Uh, anyway, I don't know when this episode airs. This might have already happened. Um, yeah, it's exciting. We hope that you had a good time in hope Vegas. You had a good time, and you saw us, and you came and yeah. chatted with us. Um, so yeah, until we meet again. Uh, this is not farewell, just uh, uh, see you later from 
our ready rooms to yours. Uh, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, my little beauties. Look after yourselves. Star Trek Jujurations is not endorsed by CBS, Viacom, Paramount Pictures, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Star Trek Jujurations theme song includes elements of the Star Trek The Next Generation main title and is done so under U.S. copyright for fair use for parody.